Your financial mission, should you choose to accept it, is to achieve financial clarity. New Intel suggests that bad financial actors are constantly filling the landscape with misinformation and other barriers and obstacles, leaving you with limited time to make the right choices for a successful financial future. To make things easier, we've chosen your team for you. Financial Commander Janine Theus will help lead you to success. As always, should you avoid the excellent guidance you're about to receive, you'll be disavowed. Also, this message will self-destruct in three seconds. Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of Your Financial Mission. Walter Storholt here alongside Janine Theus, CEO and founder of Theus Wealth Advisors. It is our final show of 2019. Janine, a happy closing of the year to you and Merry Christmas and all that good stuff. Happy New Year and everything else. <laughs> Thanks so much, Walter. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know where the year went. But here we are. How about the you know, decade? Everybody's... Where'd the decade go? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's the end of a decade. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of things we could say about that. But yeah, it's, uh, it snuck up on us, even though we knew it was coming, of course. But yeah, happy happy uh, holidays. Merry Christmas. Are you traveling for the holidays this year? Are you coming back? No. Stay, stay, you're able actually... to stay home this year, huh? Yeah, That's because good. all the kids are coming home with the spouses nice. and, and fiancés, and so it's going to be a crowded house and a lot of fun. Oh, that's good to hear. So. Fantastic. Well, we've got a great show that we have uh, picked out for the final one of 2019 before we turn the page to a new year. And Janine, we're going to talk about the specifics of mutual funds and the ins and outs of those financial products. And the interesting thing, Janine, is that you know mutual funds have long been the most popular way for people to invest. But my question today is, is that landscape changing uh, to sort of start at ground zero can you kind of give me an idea of what percentage of your clients owned mutual funds in one form or another when they first came to see you i would say probably 95 percent. okay pretty um, pretty high there's <laughs> yeah yeah most people have mutual funds or there's some combination of mutual funds uh, a handful of stocks and maybe a couple of um, etfs i shares things like that but most people have mutual funds. And then, of course, if they're rolling over qualified plan money, that's almost always in mutual funds. So they always think they know how those things work, but generally, vaguely. Yeah. <laughs> is what I would have to say. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's, a, it's an easy way to own parts of the market. So that's what people know. So you kind of get, a, I, I, that's the thing is, right, you get to own a little bit of everything in a way, or at least that's sort of how I've always thought of mutual funds, at least from the very basic level is, well, I can't maybe afford, you know, all of these stocks individually, but I get a mutual fund and hey, I get to own a little bit of Apple, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And it's kind of an, it's, right. it's, it's kind of attractive in that way. Well, and what's happening, what I see happening a lot of times is people, even that is overwhelming because there are approximately 11,000 to 12,000 mutual funds at any given time. And, you know, in the course of mutual fund history, which goes back to, I believe, the 70s, late 60s or 70s, we've killed off half the mutual fund market because they either didn't perform or nobody signed, you know, not enough money went into them or the, you had the years when they collapsed and people, lots of money left. So we've killed off these mutual funds and now we have only 11,000 to choose from. So what people are doing is by default sticking their money into something like a retirement date fund, which is actually four to five index funds within a fund wrapper. 
All right, so let's... And that's, that's typically when I'll see. Let's peel so, back for a second. And yeah. so you have 95% of the people that come in to meet with you for the first time. You look at their portfolio, 95% of them have mutual funds. But how many really understand not just what's in those mutual funds, but you know some of the other terminology that, that we'll get into in a moment as we kind of get some education on this today. Um, how many people really understand like their expense ratios and you know are they loaded funds and all those kinds of things and the, and the tax implications? None. None. Okay. Well, okay, okay. maybe a couple percent. A couple percent. There's, there's, <laughs> there's got to be a few out there who are somewhat knowledgeable. <laughs> well, they've heard the term expense ratio and why, because they've read an article or they've heard it on the radio or, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I need, you know, I need to, this is, this is this. Jim, Jim Cramer said, well, said something about it one time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So they know that there's something like an expense ratio associated with a fund. Okay. All right. Most people do. Okay, no, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, so I was going to say, there, so there's the crux, right? So there's the crux of the situation. Right. Everybody's got because these, but very few actually understand them. So there is our right. mission for the show today. Our financial mission for today is to get some education and start explaining what some of these little moving parts indeed are. So let, let's start there at the expense ratios. Uh, explain those. What is it? Why is it important to understand? Okay. So an expense ratio is the annual fee that all funds or exchange traded funds, the ETFs, because a lot of people don't understand what those are, charge their shareholders, that would be you and me, if you've invested in the fund, and it expresses the percentage of the assets deducted each fiscal year for fund expenses. So you've got 12B1 fees, you've got management fees, administration fees, operating costs, other asset-based costs incurred by the fund. So. Even if you have money in your 401k, investing is not free. Very important to understand that. Expense ratios are the cost of operating the fund, including, you know, paying the people who operate the funds or manage the funds. So that's a lot of layers. So, but Mm -hmm. let me make sure I'm to try and do it the layman's boil it down. It's just as an investor, or as you said, a shareholder in terms of a mutual fund or an ETF. Right. It's how much it's costing me to have that investment. Right. Okay. And that's only one fee. Okay. You'll see it as, you know, 0. 0.61, 0. 0.78, point whatever. That's one fee. There's also portfolio transaction fees, brokerage costs, initial or deferred sales charges. Those are not included in your expense ratios. Okay. And so there are these other costs that people don't see. So if I see they're not reported and, and it gets presented, you said like 0.61 or 0.72 or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. So does that mean if I invest $100, I'm going to pay 0.72% for that $100 of investment that year? Is that how the expense yes. ratio works? Okay. Yes. And, and so that, that goes to the mutual fund per, you know, itself. There are also custodial fees. And depending on if you're on Schwab or TD or E-Trade or whoever, that's another, it's usually a basis point. That's how, BPS. So it could be 10 basis points, 11 basis points, 16 basis points. But that's a fee you don't really see in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. Um, We're pretty transparent. You're going to see the custodial fee on our statements. But that's to hold the money. Because that, what happens typically, or what should happen, is you've got these layers of custodian, then the management or the mutual fund assets or the portfolio, and then there's an advisor fee. But nobody actually touches the money, okay. and nobody should actually touch the money, <laughs> because you should never write a check to a person. It has to go to a custodian because they hold the money. But there are fees involved with that. 
So if I invest a so million if, dollars in a mutual fund that's got a 0.62% uh, expense ratio, I can estimate that that's going to cost me about $6,200 per year to be involved at that level, essentially. Right. That, I'm, I'm, that's right. That's what I'm paying to have that investment each year. And that's that's, that's just it. the base. Obviously, then you mentioned there's other things that go on top of that. But so the higher the expense right. ratio, it, it, the higher it's going to cost to be in that particular investment. Exactly. And the type of mutual fund. So if it's large cap U.S., you might have about, you know, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.5, whatever of an expense ratio. If you've got small cap or emerging markets, you're going to have a higher expense ratio because those stocks are more expensive. Interesting. Okay. All right. So the trade costs are, are higher. But all of, those, all of those things add up. So it's not just, I mean, a lot of people just look at that number because that's now the number that's gotten a lot of press. And so they think that that's all it costs. So there's actually more, but it's important to know that that's basically how your fund is managed. Hopefully the, the uh, expense ratio is clear to everyone now. But really the takeaway isn't so much you're trying to find the least expensive expense ratio or the lowest expense ratio in a product. It's more so realizing that there are additional costs and fees that go even beyond that. So you've really got to just view the expense ratio as not the whole story. You've got to dig a little bit deeper. Right. Exactly right. What about loaded mutual funds? I know that there's that's another term that I'm sure people have heard. Front load, back load no load well it's interesting that they may have heard that but they don't really understand it so typically i will see somebody's portfolio lineup and they've got a shares or b shares or occasionally c shares but a shares are front-loaded funds that's a commissionable mutual fund so an a share the law states that a fund can charge up to eight percent so that's an eight percent commission on that mutual fund when you put your money there Typically now we're seeing anywhere from three and a quarter to 5% on that. So you'll have a front load and then the, that's an A share. You'll also have a B share. The B share is a backloaded fund. So that means if you well, move that the, mutual fund. At least fund, they made the letters match up on that one, right? That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you move the fund uh, in less than, let's say, six years, you get there's a fee to move the fund because that commission is on the back side. Uh, it's okay. usually four or five percent. And what I have seen, and I haven't seen this in a while, but what I've seen in the past is somebody will have the same mutual fund, they'll have an A share and a B share. Hmm. So the person got paid up front to put the money there. And if people move or if the, the advisor suggests, you know, in under the amount of the window of time to move it to a different mutual fund, then they get paid again on that B share. Oh, interesting. So, uh, and I will point that out to people. I go, do you realize that this is how, and that's just how people, uh, you know, I'm not blaming advisors, but because that's how they were trained to operate mm -hmm. years ago. C shares are just an underlying uh, fee based. So it's just a fee, not a commission, typically. Okay. So that would so, be more like so, the expense ratio where it'd be a yearly fee. Yeah, okay. except typically the, the, that's the advisor fee that uh, is charged generally. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. But then you've got our shares and other types of shares. Those are those specific shares are, and, and there are probably five, six different share classes. And it's because mutual funds have developed the same mutual fund, different share classes to fit in different vehicles. Okay. Interesting. Wow. So, yeah. We're sharing a lot of our <laughs> alphabet soup here with, with yes, one another. Yes, we are. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, you know, you'll have admiral shares and investor shares and institutional shares and, wow. you know, 401k qualified plan shares. And and so, yes, it's, it is a, definitely an alphabet soup. So what's, and what's it's no confusing load? to people. Does no load fit in there somewhere? Yeah, no load fees. Well, <laughs> so that can be misleading because a no load fee just means there's no front or back load commission but there's still all those other types there's still all those other fees there's still expense ratios and uh, custodial fees and transaction fees all right so So loaded mutual funds that's a uh that's a loaded question isn't it that comes with a lot of moving parts there Um, yes it does interesting all right so we'll, we'll, we'll stop on the the loaded side of things for a moment let's talk taxes in mutual funds are there tax issues we need to consider if we're exploring the idea of mutual funds Yes, but in qualified plans, IRAs, simple IRAs, SEP IRAs, Roths, you will not personally be responsible for a tax on those funds. If you're in a taxable account, you will get distributions of investments, dividends, et cetera, and capital gains at the end of every year when every single mutual fund is required by law to push those things to you. 95% of profits must be pushed and losses must be pushed to the shareholder. So that's why people will have taxes on their taxes. And and here's here's the really key thing that people need to realize. A fund manager may buy, let's say, Apple. And they hold, they buy Apple in November of 2018 and they're planning to hold it till February of 2020. So that's a long-term capital gain. But if people move lots of money in and out of the market, then the managers are required by law. They have to redeem or they have to invest when that money moves. So if you have people out there that are moving money in and out, and so the managers are having to move money in and out, they're going to have to sell that Apple share as a short-term gain. So short-term gains are taxed at ordinary income rates. Well, those distributions of gains, losses, et cetera, go to you, the shareholder, which is why you end up with taxes the next year when you didn't do anything to your account. And when people, like last year, people had a lot of taxes because people panicked in December. Well, guess what just happened about two weeks ago? People just bailed out of stocks in the market. I don't know what reason. I think it's recency bias because last December was crummy. So they think this December is (laughs) going to be be crummy. crummy (laughs) It's going to be crummy and, you know, the market's going to melt. Well, there was an article recently in MarketWatch, by the way, that said the market was going to melt up. So (laughs) if you got out of the market, that was a bad move. Oh, man. (laughs) But, um, But when they do that, you can be disciplined and keep your portfolio like it's supposed to be. But all these other people moving affects you. Hmm. in mutual funds. Okay. So, you know, um, that's why working with an advisor who can has access to funds where the turnover rates are very, very, very low and they're very efficient, you will not see those taxable gains to that degree. Such a layered uh, investment, mutual funds. I actually, my eyes are kind of opened in hosting the show with you, Janine, because, I don't know, I just didn't realize they were so complex. So it's nice to get this breakdown from you. I guess maybe this is the last question for you. I don't know. (laughs) There may be a few more that pop up. Uh, So do you use mutual funds, sell mutual funds in your plan? Do they still have a place in somebody's financial plan? I mean, it just seems like there's a lot of negative there and expense 
with the expense ratios and the loaded issues that we talked about and all those different types, then you just throw in the fact that they're kind of hard to understand all those different, you know, qualifiers and variations and all that kind of stuff. Do they still have a place in today's retirement planning world? How do you utilize them? I'm just curious where you see them fit in. I know we've talked about that kind of stuff with annuities and other financial products before. So what about mutual funds in your eyes? Well, they still do have a place because you are able to own more of the market than you would otherwise. And the reason to do that is diversification of risk. Risk is the one big elephant in the room that a lot of people don't want to address because they don't really know how to measure it. And if you can't or you're not measuring it, how can you control it? So yes, we use mutual funds with extremely low turnovers um, which is the you know the uh, buying and selling, trading inside the fund, because that will drive some costs up. So if we have very low trading going on and very efficient portfolios so that the expense ratios are extremely low, and then we keep people disciplined so they're not, you know, in, in the institutional environment, you don't have those kinds of turnovers. Generally, you don't have those kinds of taxes being pushed out to the individual. Because it's a very state. It's more. I don't. I don't want to say stable in terms of there's no volatility. It's basically stable in terms of there's not the kind of turnover that's happening in terms of trading stocks. So it's much more advantageous for people to use passive um, funds, either indexed or structured. And the way to get to those, uh, you know, in the most efficient way or effective way is with is through an advisor, um, because we can get them cheaper. <laughs> than if you just go do it yourself. The other thing that comes into play is keeping people disciplined, helping them understand this is how the market moves and you shouldn't be trying to time the market. If you own the proper allocation of mutual funds across your portfolio, you're not gonna panic. Some, which is what a, a lot of people did. Someone who is uh, just selling mutual funds, let's say, because you talked about kind of that problem of somebody selling a front load and a back load of the same product. So then they're going to get paid mm -hmm. on both sides of the equation. I mean, that's starting to get to the point where it's not really passing the smell test. So as somebody who's just selling mutual funds, do they adhere to that fiduciary standard that we talk about all the time? Or do you only get that with a more holistic financial planner who's got you know different licenses and that sort of thing? That's a great question. I would say you don't get that from someone who's commission-based securities. There's always the possibility of conflict of interest because if you're working with someone, if you know, if you're working with a client who isn't sophisticated in this realm, and that can be a doctor or an attorney because that's not their specialty, even though they're very smart people, it's very easy to talk people into things that they shouldn't have. I mean, I've seen that multiple times where very intelligent people get talked into buying products or being in allocations that they really shouldn't be in because it was a sale instead of holistic planning. Yeah. I think that's a good distinction and just something that, uh, you know, to be clear on, I think is a good, uh, a good distinction to make between because uh, everybody can kind of call themselves a financial advisor. So it can muddy those waters a little bit like we've talked again about in past episodes of this show. So I think it's just good to kind of understand the full picture. It sounds to me, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Janine, but it sounds to me, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you're saying mutual funds. If you're just going out on your own and buying them, there's a lot to be careful of. 
Um, and even if you've got a yes. broker who's helping you with that transaction, there's you've got to worry about those biases. You've got to worry about all these different costs that might be hidden that are sometimes hard to uncover if you're not experienced with it as well. And then even that doesn't even get to the point of knowing what's in the mutual fund and figuring all of that stuff out. Whereas well, you get an right. advisor and, and you help basically answer all of those questions and eliminate a lot of the biases. Right. And the other important thing for folks to realize is in 2008, when the market tanked, most people, even though they were in mutual funds, were all on one side of the market, U.S. large growth, S&P 5. And so if you're most of your mutual funds, because people don't actually look under the hood to see what's actually there or what is is how is the mutual fund allocated? If you have three, two or three or four mutual funds and they're all basically in the same thing, you're on one side of the market. And when the market tanks, you're going to get hurt. So there's no way for most people, unless you really get into this, to understand that. So the advantage of working with a holistic advisor is, and who follows the research is proper diversification. So you are spreading the risk of the market, but you're also getting the reward of the market but you're not taking more risk than you need to take. And you're not taking risks for which you are not compensated. That's well said. So if somebody, uh, let's say it's somebody like me, uh, has some mutual funds that they've just at different points in their lives, they've had some extra money. We had a, had a fidelity account or something like that. And we've found a mutual fund and threw it in there. And now several years down the line, we have no idea what we, what's in there, how we got in there, what it's all about. Or maybe it's a product that had been sold to us in the past, whatever the case may be. Let's say I kind of want to understand my mutual funds better. Is that something that you do with folks when they come in to meet with you? Do you kind of drill down, find out what's in those mutual funds, what's worth keeping, what's worth reallocating or changing? Is that all part of the planning process? Yes. Yes. It's basically how, what do you have? How did you get there? And sometimes what you think you bought 10 years ago is not actually what you have because guess what? The managers turn the funds over. So the fund you have this year is not necessarily the fund you had last year. Now, it might say income and growth or growth and income, <laughs> because by law, if they say that, they have to adhere to that in principle. But it could be completely differently allocated in there. So uh, we go through that. Uh, you know, here's, here's what you have. Here's how it's truly allocated. Here's the, the risk that you're incurring. Now we have to talk about you know, which roller coaster do you want to be on, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially if you're going into retirement? So it might be the same mutual fund, but it might be a horse of a whole different color. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Wizard of Oz was on the other night. So uh, just oh, that's top, top, <laughs> perfect. top, of, top of mind. Um, very cool. All right. Well, if you want some help with maybe your own mutual funds, your own financial plan, obviously you can reach out to Janine Theus and get some assistance with that. Uh, check out TheusWealthAdvisors.com. If you want to go to the website, get some more information there. That's TheusWealthAdvisors.com. You can always check out the Retirement Rescue Toolkit. It's a free resource that we make available to podcast listeners. It'll be in the description of today's show. Just check the link there. That'll take you to where you can get the toolkit for free. It's packed with a book, audio CD, DVD, reports, and other goodies in there. It's a really good starter's guide to anybody who's kind of dipping that toe into the financial or retirement planning waters for the first time. So again, check the description or the show notes of today's episode. No matter where you're listening, just look for that section on your app. Or if you're already on the website, you should see it there pretty easily. Retirement Rescue Toolkit. Look for it and you can get it for free. And you can also call Janine the old-fashioned way. The phone still works. 
443-718-6311 is the number if you want to reach out. 443-718-6311. Janine, I really appreciate your help on the show today. I feel like I not only, you know, I, I want to learn something new every day. You know, it's like the old uh, Jim Valvano, you know, learn something new every day. That's right. That's right. Kind of thing. I feel like I learned a lot of new things today when it came to mutual. Oh, friends. that's great. So, yeah. Thank you for the info. We appreciate it. And uh, Absolutely. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you. And we'll talk to you in 2020. Thank you so much, Walter. Merry Christmas. You too. Talk to you soon. The the ins and outs of mutual funds. There you have it. If you've got any questions, get in touch. Otherwise, have a great new year. We'll talk to you in the new decade. For Janine, I'm Walter. See you soon on Your Financial Mission.